This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, what is going on, church? Welcome to RSCC. It is so good to be with you. Can you put your hands together for the worship team one more time? Good job. Hey, I also, I, I want to highlight something, and I, I don't like to do it a lot, but, but there's something that I want to highlight I think is really, really cool. Um, we have a media team that runs all these slides, so if you see spelling errors, it is not on them, it's on me. Um, so that's another story for another time. But there, a lot of the media team is actually teenagers or students from our church, and, and one of those students uh, is up there right now, you can, I won't say his name, but he gets here early on Sunday morning, he'll go through the pre- uh, with the worship team, and then he runs service, and I think that's awesome, and I want to put my hands together for that, because I... I I think that's what it's about, and I think it's awesome that we have students leading in church here and many other volunteers who do coffee, who do welcome, and we just want to thank all our volunteers. We cannot do what we do on Sunday without volunteers, so thank you if you volunteer in any capacity in the kids area, in Sunday school, doing sound, doing music. We thank you, and we are so grateful for you. But today, we're going to continue this uh, the series that we call The Signs of Christmas, and what we're doing is we're looking at this idea, and it's kind of the main theme that God gave us signs, and gave us signs through prophecy to make sure that we didn't miss what he was doing through the birth of Jesus. So throughout the Old Testament, there's prophecies, predictions, if you will, of, of prophets saying, this is what God's going to do one day. And, and so we look, last week, we, we looked at the star that the wise men followed it. What we're doing is we're looking at these signs, and we're looking at who's involved with the signs, and what we can learn from the people, uh, what we can learn from the wise men, what we can learn from the, the, the sign today, and w- what we can do to apply it to our faith. And I always want to say this, when we talk about Easter when we talk about Christmas, there's something that happens. These are two of the biggest days uh, uh, of our faith. It's like the Super Bowls of our faith. And, and the stories are almost uh, romanticized. They're almost uh, become so familiar. And it's like we go through the motions with them. And when something becomes routine or when something comes familiar, it often loses its awe or, or shock factor. And, and I want to be, I want to make sure something doesn't happen to us. I want to make sure that when we talk about the birth of Jesus or we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, that we don't like, oh, that's awesome. That we don't lose its awe. That we, we don't, we don't, allow it not to make the connection to our hearts, right? And, and we talk about it a lot. And every Christmas season, you got the nativity scenes and you got all that cute stuff. But what happens is we need to allow this to make the connection from our mind to our hearts because when it makes the connection, it changes the way you live. So I just want to always say that, like, let's continue to be in awe of what we read. That if you read these accounts that you've probably read a thousand times, right, there's something we can learn from each and every time. But at the very minimum, every single time we open the pages of Scripture, Every time we read these verses, it's about God's redemption, redeeming plan for you and me. And, and there's something that we need to keep that in the focus, and we can't lose the awe of that, because that's why we're here. We're not here because of the music. We're not here because of the fancy lights. We're here because we're worshiping the Savior of the world being born into this world. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. God, we are so thankful that we get to come here, and Father, that we get to celebrate the birth of your Son that you sent into this world, this dark and broken world, God. And you did that because you you love us, that we matter to you, God, and you wanted all of us to follow your son, Jesus. So, Father, today, as we look at this familiar account, I, I pray that we, we don't lose awe, that we allow it to make the connection from our mind to our hearts, and so it changes the way we live. We thank you, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
So since Natalie was born, my daughter, and I know I've talked about it a few times, but I'm excited about it. My life has been a lot different, as many of you, you can be uh, aware of. It. Some of you walked in today and said, hey, your life has changed, hasn't it? And absolutely. So before Natalie was born, Whitney and I were married for almost eight years, and we had certain luxuries that we didn't know that we had. And it's, inter- it's interesting because we didn't realize they were luxuries because we were so focused on wanting a baby, and it's just how our people's minds work. It's like we always want what we don't have, and when we have what we, and we don't currently focus on what we do have, but that's another sermon. But so even though we wanted a baby so bad, we had luxuries that a lot of parents uh, don't have or a lot of married couples ha- who have kids don't have. Because we could, we could go to bed when we wanted to. We could go out and eat in Florence whenever we wanted to. We could do whatever we wanted on the weekends. We didn't have any like restrictions because of children. And, and it, was, it was awesome. And we didn't realize how big of a luxury it was. But since then, our, our life is very much scheduled as parents would know. And Natalie changes plans all the time. So right now on Monday nights, I'm usually like, I'm coming home and I'm watching Monday night football, right? And it's like you hear that dun-dun-dun music. And as soon as that music comes on, it's like Whitney's, uh, Natalie's alarmed to cry, right? She's like, oh, dad, you want to watch Monday night football? Not today, right? Or we want to eat food. She's like, oh, you guys want a hot dinner? A bunch of jokers. We're going to eat cold dinner because I'm going to cry until uh, I'm done crying. Or, you know, I can't tell you how many times we go to put her, like I just rock her in my arms. And one thing she likes is she likes a ceiling fan, so we, we like will spin the ceiling fan, and I'll just hold her like this, looking at the ceiling fan, like as long as I possibly can. And then she, like I'll think she's asleep, and I'm like, finally, I get to watch what I want to watch or do what I want to do. And I put her down, and you guys know how it goes. What does she do? She cries right away. Right? She's like, oh, dad, you want to wake up at 6 a.m.? How's 4:45 sound? Right? So she changes our plans. Right? And, and, and just like it's amazing. So if you're a parent, I just want to say. You guys are awesome. You don't realize how much your parents give up for you until you have a kid, I think, and, and it's awesome. So kids, your parents are doing a lot of stuff. They're sacrificing. You're changing a lot of their plans, and it's worth it, but sometimes those plans that you have don't always go according to plans, and life is a lot about plans. We make plans. Some of you have plans on where you're going to eat after church or what you're going to do, where you're going to go. When we're growing up, we got plans of where I'm going to go to college, you know, what, what I'm going to be, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do. Some of you have plans to get married or when you want to have kids or when you don't want to have kids. We all have these plans. And, and what happens is when, when these plans don't go, accord, when life doesn't go according to plan, we get upset, right? So we get upset and life doesn't go according to plans. And so today we're going to look at, at someone's plan, that, someone's life who has a plan, but it doesn't go according to plan. But before we get there, I want to take you to a verse we looked at last week, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And a man named Isaiah is writing. And he's like, God's got a plan for the world. And this is what he writes in Isaiah 7. He says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. That's our theme of Christmas. He's a, a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So God's got this plan that, that he's going to do something through this virgin. And this virgin is going to see, that's the sign we're looking at today, is a young girl named Mary. Right? And, and so we're going to look at what this means. Mary has a plan just like you and I have plans for our lives. And when life doesn't go according to plan, we often get upset. So let's go ahead and jump in to what we read about Mary in Luke chapter 1. It'll be on the screen in, in just a second here. 
It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. So that's a sign, right? To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. So now we know her name is Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So here we got, we got Mary, and she's got a plan for her life, right? And she's got this big, big plan and what she wants to work out, and all of a sudden God interrupts her plans. And we don't like it when God interrupts our plans, do we, right? She's like, I'm going to marry Joseph. It's going to be so great. And God says, like, not so fast. He sends an angel named Gabriel to Mary and says, listen, I know you're a virgin, right? And I know you're a virgin. And he says that twice. So Luke is making it very, very clear. This is the sign that, that, I, that you're waiting for. Mary is the sign. She is the virgin. And this, this angel Gabriel says to Mary, listen, Mary, I know this sounds crazy. I know this is not part of your plan, but I'm here. And here's what was going to happen. I'm going to need you to follow through this plan. God's calling on you, and he wants to do something amazing in your life. And when this happens, it's this moment where like, well, man, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, right? And, and, and I think Mary's response that we'll get to today is going to be important because often when, when God calls us, God calls us to do something, what, what, what happens? What, what, what do we start thinking? We're like, well, I, I want to surrender, you know, I, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it so much. I, I don't want to be completely surrendered totally because what if he calls me to do something I don't want to do? What if he makes me give up something I don't want to give up? What if he calls me to do something that I don't feel like I, I, I need to do? What if, what if I do something that's not, what, what if I'm called to do something that's not part of the plan? Right? And have you ever thought about that? Like, what if, what if God calls you to do something and it's not part of your plan? And it's not part of what you planned out? And so this is what Mary is. This is where Mary is. Mary's a young girl. We, we believe she's anywhere from 14 to 15 to 16, maybe 13 years old. And why we believe that is because at this time in history, when, when a young girl hits puberty, is often the, the, the age that she'll be pledged to be married. So she's, getting, she's gonna get married. She's pledged to be married to Joseph or betrothed to be married to Joseph. And, and, and so she's probably got plans. What, what do girls do today when they got wedding? Well, they're like, hey, I'm hopping on Pinterest. I'm looking at all the ideas. I'm practice writing my last name. I'm naming my future kids, right? She has all these plans. Plan. She's all googly eyes over, over Joseph. And Gabe says, listen, Mary, I know you got plans. I know you want to do something. But God's got another plan for you. And that takes us to our first principle uh, of today. And, and number one principle is this. Often what we call interruptions are God's invitations. Often what we call interruptions are, are God's invitations. Often what we call interruptions are God's invitations. And here's what I mean by that. So often in our life, we got this plan. We got like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And then God interrupts us, or it feels like an interruption. And this interruption, we, we feel like is going to change the course of everything. But it's often an invitation to what? It's an invitation to something far, far greater than you can imagine. 
If you think about throughout scripture, you think of a man named Moses. Moses is out in the wilderness and one day God interrupts his life through a burning bush. He says, Moses, I, I, know, I, I know you're out here living and I know you don't have much purpose and I know you think this is where your story's gonna end, but here's what I wanna do, wanna do through you, Moses. Yes, I know you stutter. Yes, I know you killed a man. Yes, I know everything about you, but here's what I want you to do, Moses. I'm gonna interrupt your life, life and I'm gonna give, give you an invitation. Here's the invitation. I'm gonna give you an invitation to lead my people uh, out, out of Egypt. In the New Testament, there's a man named Saul that many of you know as Paul, and he's going around, and he's a Pharisee, and he's a religious leader, and he's killing Christians. And Jesus interrupts his life and says, Paul, I'm giving you an invitation to something new. I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to change your life. I'm going to interrupt your life, and no longer are you going to be a martyr of Christians. No longer are you going to kill Christians. Now you're going to go around, and you're going to spread the gospel. You're going to be the, one of the number one reasons why the church spreads. Paul, I'm going to use you. At some point in your life, I promise you, God will interrupt your plans with an invitation to something better. Right? And what you have to do is you got to be sensitive to that. We got we to gotta realize that. The Mary shows us this principle that, that sometimes God interrupts us with invitations to something new. And if you're open to this idea, if you're sensitive to this, if you realize that throughout Scripture, this is how God works. And God works this way so many times. Jesus did this with the disciples. If you look at King David's life, he's interrupted. If you look at Abraham's life, he's interrupted. God uses these interruptions as invitations to something better. And if you're open to that, if you're sensitive to this idea that God, these interruptions may not be as big as, be, may not be the negative things we think they are. They may be an invitation to something better. God might take you somewhere, might take you somewhere new or, or somewhere different to do something special that you can have predicted on your own. So th this is kind of where Mary is. Mary's getting interrupted. She's got plans. She's googly eyes over Joseph. Oh, Joseph, I can't wait to marry you. It's going to be amazing. We're going to live in this nice house. We're going we're to have the nicest donkey on the block, right? It's going to be awesome. And God's like, listen, knock, knock through a messenger angel. I got, I got a different plan for you. So if you look back at verse 30, here's what happens. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. He just, so he just says, hey, you got this new plan. And then uh, he automatically goes, okay, but don't be afraid. Well, why would she be afraid? Well, the easy answer is she's in the presence of an angel. Now, you and I, we, sometimes we think of angels as these like fat, chubby babies floating around in the sky with wings and bow and arrows, right? That's not what angels are in the Bible. They're, they're described as these majestic, warrior-looking beings that when you're in the presence of an angel throughout Scripture, you know it. And oftentimes, when there's an angel that encounters someone in Scripture, what do they say? Do not be afraid. So she's freaking out. And, and then the angel says, listen, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. Now, if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, God, what, God's going to do me a favor? So she's like, if I'm Mary, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have the best wedding, right? I'm going to have the biggest wedding. God's going to do me this big favor. It's going to be amazing. But that's not what Gabriel says. He says, you have found favor. You have found favor with God. And he's saying, Mary, because of how you're living, because of your faith and who you are, you have found favor with God. And God wants to invite you to something. God wants to do something through you that you couldn't see that he had planned for you. Mary, you have found favor in God. And she's afraid. And she's a little afraid. Yes, she's afraid because she's in the presence of an angel. But she's probably also afraid because she realizes her plans, her plans are now interrupted. 
And this angel says, God has a different purpose for you. You may have a plan, but God's got a purpose. And, and, and what happens is God's purpose is often different than your plans. And when, when that happens, when God's purpose is different than your plans, there's a moment when you're afraid because now you're like, well, what, what's going to happen? How is this going to happen? You see Mary, is, you're going to see Mary is all about this. Like, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. I have a plan, but Gabriel, you're telling me God has a purpose, and I don't know if those two things go together. Does God's plan go with my purpose, or does my plan go with God's purpose? So here, what is God's plan, or what is God's purpose? Mary's plan is to get married. Here's God's purpose. We go back to it. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. He's like, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the one who was promised. And you got to remember, when this, when this angel came to Mary, it's a unique time in history. God had been silent for about 400 years no miracles, n no prophets. Between the last page of the Old Testament and the first page of Matthew, 400 years of silence, 400 years of darkness, 400 years of people probably doubting and waiting. Is God really going to do something? Is he going to send us these signs? Are these prophecies going to be fulfilled? What's going to happen? And one of the first people he breaks his silence to is this young girl. And the, God sends this messenger, Gabriel, this angel, and says, Listen, Mary, you're going to have Jesus. And he's going to be the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary, this son is going to save the world. This is God's redemptive plan. Mary, you have a plan. But God's purpose is way, 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 way different than anything you could have planned. But this purpose God has called her to is far greater than anything she could have planned. Isn't that amazing? This, this purpose that God has called her to is far greater than anything she could plan. Now, you're not going to give birth as a virgin, right? We'll just clear that today, right? But God's going to call you. God created you for a purpose. And you're going to have plans. But God's purpose is going to be far greater than any plans you could ever make. I, I, we make all of these plans, but often these plans don't go with God's purpose. And this, this has played out many ways in your life and in my life, and, and it looks different at many times. But I, I go back to when I was 16 years old, and I'm the oldest of four siblings. I have a sister named Dana, who you have never met. She lives in California. She is three years younger than me. I have my goofy tall brother, Brendan, with long hair and beard. Um, he is six years younger than me. Then I have my brother Jace, as some of you have met. He is 16 years younger than me. And if you ask any of the siblings who their favorite one is, even though you're not supposed to have favorite siblings, all of us would say Jace, all right? So I got a picture of Jace. Uh, I don't know who got him this Duke jersey. It was not me. It had to be the other brother. But this is Jace, and um, Jace is 16 years old, right? Uh, you know, 16 years younger than me. He is 14 years old right now. He'll be 15 in March. And when my mom found out uh, she was pregnant when I was 16, I'm going to be honest, I did not want Jace to be in my life. I did not want another brother, you know, I've, like we barely could get food on the table now. I don't want another brother or sister. But uh, over time, I was open to it, and I started thinking about, like, this is going to be awesome. 16 years old, like, we're going to be able to do awesome brother stuff, and, and like, I'm not going to have to argue with him like I do with my sister and brother now. It's going to be way different. It's going to be amazing. So we started making all these plans. It was going to be my stepdad's Jay's only natural born child. My mom is a, a little bit, um, 
a few years older than um, Jay, so she wasn't having any more kids after this. She was done, and uh, so they, they, you know, they go to have Jace, and Jace is born, and they did all the pretests, and everything was uh, normal, and nothing, they didn't see anything abnormal, and then Jace is born, and then right away, as you look at Jace, you could tell, hey, something was off, and then we, we found out that Jace has Down syndrome, and uh, I remember this, and, and I don't know how to explain this. It, it's one of those weird things, like, it's really, you don't understand it until your, fa your family's put in this situation, but I, I remember my parents crying, and, and really, like, crying, crying, like, I never have heard my stepdad weep until this moment. I've never heard it since, and this is the only moment I've ever heard him weep, because we didn't know. What did it mean, right? And what is it, you like, why Jace, and why us, and we, what did we do wrong, or, or what's Jace's life going to look like? Because all of a sudden, in our mind, all the plans we had set were broken, because it, it wasn't ever going to happen, because we didn't know. You don't know what you don't know, and, and we thought this was going to be, and, and, you know, and you're worried about what's going to happen with Jace, and you're sensitive to it all, but like, you don't know. And, and society as a whole hasn't always treated kids like Jace fairly or justly or given them opportunities that they deserved. You know, so you're worried about that. And, and, I'm, and we're, you know, I can only imagine how my mom and my stepdad felt. And I, I, I know me, I'm, we're, I'm just thinking like, man, all those plans that I had set for a younger brother, not, not going to happen. What, what we didn't know was what God was going to do in our lives through Jace, right? You didn't know that, right? So I didn't know that Jace was going to be the one thing that my family is very dysfunctional. Jace is the one thing that brings us together. We don't agree on much, but we all agree on Jace. There are, there are a few people in this life that I love more than Jace. Whitney, Natalie, and then Jace, right? And Jace, he's one of my favorite people in, in the world. And, and, and through Jace, and it's weird that... Through Jace at 16 and 17 and 18 and 20, that I actually saw, well, I thought a small glimpse of what God's love really looks like. Because the way he loves people, and it's hard to explain. And then at 16, the message of you matter was put on my heart. And something that I said, whenever I get into church someday, wherever I go, I'm going to bring that message with me that I believe that God created us all to matter, that we all matter to God. And what Jace, the blessings that Jace has brought to our families. And I think about that, that, that if it would have went to our plans, yes, we would have Jace, but life would be much, much different. And even though he cheers for Duke, apparently, I didn't know that, but he, he, he has been one of the greatest blessings to my life. And I just look at that as one example, that God knew what he was doing when he sent us Jace. And God knew what he was doing when he chose Mary. And God knows what he's doing when he created you for your purpose. God knows what he's doing when he's calling you to something. God knows what he's doing when he's calling you to take a step of faith. God knows what he's doing when your life doesn't go according to your plans. God knows what he's doing. And God's purposes are always better than our plans. God's purposes are always better than our plans. So Mary hears this. Mary being a young girl and asking a logical question as a virgin, she's like, um, well, let's just pick up what she says in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Very logical question, right? Gabriel, um, I don't know if you know this because you're an angel, but uh, I'm a virgin and that word means I haven't participated in extracurricular activities that would allow me to have a kid. Um, so I, I don't know, like, how is this going to happen? You know, Gabe, like, I, I don't doubt you necessarily, 
but I, I, I just want to know, can you, can you please tell me how, how, how is this going to happen? Because I, I can't do this on my own. Like, like I can't do this. Like, I, I'm pledged to be married to Joseph, and we're not participating in those activities before I'm married. So, uh, Gabe, uh, can you just tell me how it's going to happen? And here's what, and this is so cool. She's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think it can happen. I don't think it can happen. I, I, I don't know if it's possible. And maybe you're there. Like, you're like, God, I don't know how, how you could ever save my marriage. I don't know how you could ever heal my loved one. God, I don't know how the purpose you're calling me to is better than my plan. God, I don't know what you're saying, if you, what you're saying is better than what I want to do. God, I don't know. I don't know. Mary saying, God, or Gabe, I don't know how in the world this can happen. Listen to Gabriel's answer. It's so awesome. He says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. God's going to do something you can't do. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary, God's going to do it, right? And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even, your, uh, your, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And, and that is a, a relative of Mary's who could not have a kid. And that story is right before the story we read today. He's like, even she's going to have a kid in her old age. And she was, this, and she was said to be unable to conceive, uh, able to conceive is in her sixth month. For now, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary, God's going to do it. Mary says, Gabe, I don't see how this is possible. And Gabriel's answer is so awesome. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing, Mary. Like, listen, you're right, Mary. This is one of the reasons you're favored. Because you realize you can't do it on your own. The supernatural event, uh, nature of the virgin birth, shows that humanity can't save itself, right? It's, one, it's a glimpse of that. And, and God's going to do something in humanity through Jesus that no one else can do. Mary, you can't do it, but for nothing is impossible with God. He can send, you know, he can make the world out of nothing. He can create light out of darkness. He can send the son Jesus in human flesh to live in this earth perfectly. And he can kill, have that son killed on the cross and he can raise him from the dead. And he can raise you from the dead. He can heal your sins. He can heal your, answer your prayers for nothing with God is impossible. That's what Gabriel saying. like nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. You can't do it, but he can. You can't, but he can. And then Mary responds and her response is legendary. Verse 38, I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left. Here's this young girl. Probably can't read. Has no money. From a small town called Nazareth. In, in scripture it says, someone once said, well, nothing good can come from Nazareth, all right? So this, this small town, probably not very rich, probably can't read. Here's her response. Okay, I love him. I trust him. I'm his servant. And it's, it's as he's saying in this moment, this plan that God has for me, this purpose that God has for me is far different than my plan. But I'm going to remember whose I am. I'm his. I'm going to remember who I am. I'm a servant. I'm his servant. And I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know what Joseph is going to say. 
How do you explain to your fiance that uh, you're pregnant, but you didn't sleep with another man and the Holy, Holy Spirit got you pregnant? Like, that's a pretty hard story to tell, right? God's going to take care of that too. I don't know what people are going to say about me. I don't know if my life is ever going to be the same again. No one is ever going to believe me. People are going to look at me my entire life, and they're going to say, there's a girl who slept, slept around outside of Joseph. They're going to doubt me. They're going to doubt my son. Right? And in the prophecies, if they say, if this, if this, son, if this son is the son of, of, Jesus, of the God, that this baby is someday going to die, this is probably going to be the hardest moment in my entire life. It's way, way different than anything I had planned. But I love him. Who's him? God. I trust God. And I'm his servant. That's her answer. That's her response. And we learned the second principle I want to talk about today is this. The purpose God has placed on you is greater than any of your plans. Mary's life is interrupted with an invitation and now she has this opportunity. Do I do what God wants me to do? Am I faithful and do what God wants me to do? Or do I do, live life according to my plan? And she doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't have the status. She doesn't know all the information. She has nothing to offer God, really. She doesn't have anything to offer the world. In the world's eyes, she's nothing. She's just another girl from Nazareth who's going to grow up to have an ordinary life. But what does she have? One little word. Faith. That's what she has. What made Mary favored by God was not her status, not her location, not her age. It was her faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, For without faith, it is what? Impossible. Everybody say impossible. To please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does that mean? Well, it means it doesn't matter where, where, you know, how much Bible you know or how many worship songs you know or what your past looks like or what's your family last name or what town you're from or your social status. or how You can be broke as a joke. You can come from a dysfunctional family. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. Do you have faith? Do you trust God's purpose for you? Do you have faith? And do you trust God's purpose for you? Do you have faith? Faith in what? That Jesus, the son, this baby, it is the only way to God. That he died for your sins. That he is the savior of the world. Do you have that faith? Do you believe that? And then do you believe and trust God's purpose for you? Do you have faith and do you trust God's purpose? Do you have faith and do you, do you trust God? Do you have faith and do you trust God? That's what matters. And, and Mary, she doesn't have all the answers. She's not perfect, no matter what tradition tries to tell you. She's not sinless, no matter what tradition tries to tell you. She, she is just a simple girl from a simple town with a faith that says, I trust God. And her answer is this, may it be as you have said, okay, I trust you, I have faith. May it be as you have said, Gabriel, tell God, I'm in, I have faith, I trust that he will do what he wants, he will do what he says he's going to do, and I will just be obedient no matter what, because I will have faith. And our response, when God calls us, should be Mary's response. And this is, her response is so simple. I have faith that his purpose is greater than my plans. I have faith that his purpose is greater than my plans. So I, wanna, I just want to ask this very, 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 very simple question. It's kind of a two-part question. Let's make this real. 
Because I think sometimes we take these stories and these events that happen, and we're like, well, this doesn't apply to me. I'll never be a virgin, and, and I'm never going to give birth. But th- there are things we can learn in here. They're in here for a reason. They're in the scripture for a reason. So where is God calling you to have faith? Because I guarantee you they're somewhere. And where is he calling you to trade in your plans for his purpose? Where's God calling you to have faith and trade in his plans for his purpose? Where's God calling you to have faith and trade in your plans for his purpose? Where's God calling you to faith and trade in your plans that we all like to set, right, for his purpose? Because here's my promise to you. God wants to guide you. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you. He wants to direct you. And he has a purpose for you. That's why we say you're, you matter. Your, your life matters because God has a purpose and calling on your life. And another promise is there will be a moment, moments in your life where God will call you to do something or call you to something. And you may not want to go. And you may not want to do it. You may feel unqualified. You may feel like it, it doesn't go with your plan. You know what God's going to expect from you? He's going to expect you to have faith like a young girl in Nazareth. He's going to expect you, if he calls you to go, he's going to expect you to go. If he calls you to do, he's going to expect you to do. So where is God calling you to have faith and trade in your plans for his purpose? And this line came to me this week as I was thinking about this, and it's kind of confusing, but it's how my mind works. If you don't do what God has called you to do in faith... If you don't do what God's called you to do in faith, God can't do what he was going to do that you didn't know what he was going to do. I'll say again. If you don't do what God has called you to do in faith, if you don't take that step, you don't go, you don't do, God can't do what he was going to do that you didn't know what he was going to do. If you don't step out in faith, if you don't allow God to work in your life, you can never step into the purpose that God was going to do in your life. And you will miss what he was going to do. And I think so many times we miss what God is trying to do because we're like, hey, God, I got it. I got a plan. And God's like, okay, but your plan is never greater than my purpose. But if you want to go and do that, go ahead and do that and see how it plays out for you. But if you don't do, or you don't do what God's called you to do in faith, you'll never never experience what he wants to do in your life. And, and I want to say this because I, I think it's so important. In, in culture, we're often taught, like, it, it's sometimes the word, the wording we use for, for doing and living life according to God's plan, I think sometimes aren't, is not great verbiage or wordage because it, it implies something that I don't think we should imply. It often, we often talk about, it's sacrifice. Like, I have to give up all of this. And we almost put a negative sense to it. Like, oh, if you do what God wants you to do, it's never going to be good. Your life's never going to be great. It's just going to be, you have no control and God's not going to do anything great. You're just going to be willing and it's going to be awful. Like we often kind of speak like that. But exchanging your plan for his purpose, it isn't sacrifice. I'll say real simply, it's smart. It's smart. It, it isn't this major sacrifice. It's smart. We're like, well, if I, if I exchange my, per, if I give up my plans, well, what if God calls me to give up some money? What if God calls me to give up some things on the weekend? What if God calls me to give up some time? Like, that's a sacrifice. I don't know if I'm willing to do it. Like, and we put it in this negative sense, but it, it's not, it's not a sacrifice. It's smart. Mary giving up her life or her plans wasn't just a sacrifice. It, it's smart because God's going to bring the Savior of the world into this world through Mary. And, and, and let me say this, your greatest life, I, I believe this with all my heart, your greatest life is lived 
when you're living God's purpose for you. Now, it, it may not look the way you want. That does not mean that you're going to get financial blessing. That does not mean you're going to get all the prayers answered. It's not the prosperity gospel. But your greatest life is lived when you are living in God's purpose for you. So if your greatest life is lived in God's purpose for you, then living according to God's purpose isn't a sacrifice. It's the smartest thing you can do. It's the best thing you can do. And Mary realizes this. And Mary says, okay, God, work. Do what you've called me to do. And as God calls us to, to take faith and move in faith and step out in faith, I heard a minister say this once, and I, I want to use it today. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. How it will happen, when it will happen, where it will happen, how it will all come together, God will take care of that. If he calls you to it, he'll take care of it. Obedience is yours. Mary's like, hey, Gabe, how's this going to happen? He says, the Holy Spirit, God's, God's got it handled. Mary's like, okay, let's do it. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. And God calls for surrender. And all you got to do is surrender to him like a young girl did 2,000 years ago. God interrupts her life with an invitation. There's something far greater than she could ever imagine. And she says, okay, let's do this. And eventually she gives birth to the, this baby boy. And this baby boy, this birth of this baby boy changes everything. It brings light into the darkness. It changes the, the, the history of the world, the trajectory of the world forever. It changes everything for you and I. But we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But I want to end with this. God has a purpose and a calling in your life. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, he, he's like, I got a purpose for you. And your greatest life is lived in, in my purpose. And I don't know what he's calling you to, but he's calling you to something. It may not be to give birth as a virgin, but he may be calling you to do something scary, to maybe serve on the worship team. I guarantee you there's someone in this church who's not singing that has that talent that can sing on the stage. I guarantee you that there's someone who has a talent with media or sound that, that is not stepping on faith. He may call you to serve. He may call you to stand firm in your faith. He may call you to say, hey, stop wavering in your faith in a world that continues to tell you to compromise. Stand firm. He may call you to leave a relationship that you know is hurting you. He may call you to something that you may feel unqualified and not ready to do. And all he's going to say is he goes, trust me uh, and trust me, have faith that I can do it and, and be obedient to me. So a, as we leave today, as we continue, as the worship team comes up here, as we continue to sing, I, I just want you to take a moment sometime in this service and say, God, where do you want me to be obedient? Where are you calling me? What is, where, is my where are my plans getting in the way of your purpose? Because your greatest life is lived in God's purpose. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful that you have a purpose and a calling for our lives. And God, that you want to do something in us and through us. Father, we sometimes get in the way and sometimes our plans derail your purpose for us. Father, so I, I just want to pray that, that we take a moment sometime today just to, to reflect on that and say, God, where are you calling me? Lord, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be, Father? Where do you want me to be, be obedient? Where do you want me to, to give up my plans for your purpose? Father, maybe today the first step in someone's purpose is to make the decision to be baptized and to give their life to you. God, if that is them, if that is someone in this building today, Father, we would love to talk to them by the double doors in the back of this room. Father, we love you so much. We know that you had a purpose 2,000 plus years ago in this baby that you were sending this world. That ultimately this baby will die for each and every one of us.
God, we are so thankful that you didn't give up on us, that in the darkness you sent light to this world. And we love you for that. And we know what love is because you loved us first. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.